0: This show is sponsored by Headley. Headley, just like a
1: condom, he covers our motherfucking show with love. So hello, Path Girl, how are you today, sexy pants?
2: I Uh, am doing very well, Mr. Sexy, I love the accent.
1: Do you love the accent? Do you love how I talk to you in my sultry, passionate voice?
2: Oh, yes, to talk some more, it's you to talk dirty to me that way. (sighs)
1: I want to take you to the laundromat and put you inside of a dryer with seven pounds of mayonnaise. Spin you around and then maybe place my penis somewhere near that whole thing that I just described. Oh,
2: that sounds amazing. (laughs) I'm getting all hot and bothered.
1: (laughs) I really think we should stop this now.
2: Yeah, it may go getting even weirder than it already is.
1: Before <laughs> any more listeners shut the fuck off, <laughs> let's just start a show. Okay, the following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised, and if you don't like it. Please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four! Do you feel your sex life is quite
0: lame? Perverted Podcast. Scared that your desires might be strange? Perverted Podcast. Come and join the kinky world of play. Perverted Podcast.
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex, and the human mind.
2: Recording live on Zencaster, I'm Path Girl in my wonderful apartment.
1: And I am Count Boogie in the library.
2: Oh, we're in the we- library.
1: Oh, yes. It's a very, very dignified day. We're going to be talking about some wonderful things today. Yes. I am very excited to have you with us here today, Path Girl. Kathy, of course, is still handling her stuff, but pitbulling yes. where necessary. <laughs> she added some pit bull into a a conversation about something I talked about last week that I am not going to talk about this week because uh, we're moving on. Uh, We're hearing the magic, but you have some exciting things to share about me, myself doing pretty good. Um, I've been doing a lot of radio, writing a lot of comedy. I'm getting better at it and uh, the radio station that I work for. Uh, my boss there is now trying to somehow finagle me a place to live, which awesome. would require me, uh, to leave, uh, Southern California, which there's mm-hmm. so much for me here right now that, uh, I would hate to have to go, you know, all these wonderful <laughs> parking lots that I sleep in and, you know, my food banks and stuff like that. It's going to be a real, real, real stretch to leave. Yeah. But, but, uh, but no, it'll just be obviously better. If I'm indoors, I can do so much more work. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But you are the star of potato mayhem right now because the long awaited vampire glove scene hath taken place.
2: Yes. Oh, it was amazing. Oh gosh. It was so amazing.
1: (laughs) So spill, spill the beans. Spill.
2: Spill. Okay, girlfriend. So, I've been playing with my top now probably about six months. And one of the first times we met, he had never seen vampire gloves before. And the place where we met, I happened to have my play bag in the car because I was going to see the guy that I was dating at the time. And I showed him both pairs that I have. One is basically a smaller pair with smaller tacks. For people who don't know what vampire gloves are, they're leather gloves and they have these metallic tacks on the fingers and palms. And you could use them for sensation play to either scratch or kind of just lightly caress or even kind of push the tacks slightly into the skin to give like a prickly sensation. My favorite <laughs> thing to do or or you can be a complete masochist like me and I love to get spanked with them. Now, yes. obviously, there's a big difference between caressing with them and scratching with them and actually getting spanked because you will draw blood and then you have to start negotiating things about blood play. So, uh, you know, the top that I was talking to doc, he was very interested in it and we kind of just left it alone. And then casually, like about a month ago, he's like, yeah, let me know when you want to do that vampire glove scene. I'm like, yeah, sure. Wait, wait, what? (laughs) So I turned to his girlfriend, Kat, I'm like, are you okay with this? And she's like, yeah, it's okay. So, uh, we were going to a private play party and I talked to the person organizing it and I said, look, we're looking to do this vampire glove scene. Is it okay? What safety precautions do we need to take? And we kind of, figured out we're going to dexter off the room where we take different sheets of plastic and kind of make like a three-cornered square and leave one part open so people can watch
1: right and
2: and i said you sure it's not gonna be too much for the party and she's like i don't give a fuck if it's too much for the party it's gonna be awesome so get to the dungeon that night and start negotiating with doc about you know what do we want to start with and we picked out a couple of toys to play with to start with And a couple of people kind of came up and looked at the gloves that we laid out. And they're, you know, curious about them. And they're kind of touching the spikes because everything we had was clean. And they were just like, wow, that's kind of intimidating. I'm like, yeah, I know. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) you'll Just
0: wait.
2: (laughs) Oh, I have been waiting for this for pretty much as long as I've known Doc. And it's just, it's one of my favorite activities to do with my tops and doms. But it does take a lot of trust. And obviously, like I said, you're playing in blood. So you have to, there's a lot of talk that has to go on. So we start the scene with... A couple of toys, and we had agreed, let's start with the thinner pair with the smaller tacks just to see how it is because he's never played with them before and he was a little apprehensive. So he starts caressing me with the glove and kind of, and this is also, by the way, the first time we ever played topless because I was wearing a lace bra, lace and metal tacks. It's just gonna tear the bra. So I was like, okay, sure, so let's sure. play topless. So he starts grabbing my breasts, he starts grabbing my back and just moving the tacks all around. And eventually he works his way down to my butt and he gives it that first smack. And I was like, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) But the thing was, so he starts spanking me and... I'm feeling it, but I've been playing with him for several months now. I had lost some of my pain tolerance, and I'm like, I'm not feeling – they're not as sharp as I remember. So he kind of came around the front. He was – we were kind of playing where he could walk all the way around me, and I was like, I'm not really feeling those. Can we move up to the the other ones? He's like, absolutely. So he puts on – a problem. Not a problem. So he moves – now. The and like I said, the larger pair of gloves I had have these really long, super sharp tacks. I had to file them down when I first got them. They were that sharp. So he puts the other pair of gloves on, and his girlfriend's walking around taking pictures of the scene. And she told me that when he spanked me with that larger glove, there was an audible gasp of all <laughs> the people that were watching <laughs> because that just drew blood immediately. It's like so, railroad
1: spikes coming out of fingers. Pretty much. Yeah.
2: And like he, I mean, and he also grabbed me around the throat very gently with the vampire glove, which no one has ever done before. And I was like, holy fucking shit, that's hot.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, Gritta, I love Dr. Death. There's no sexual, there's a sexual boundary there. We, we're, we're not sexually involved. And it's just like, I looked down at him and I said, do you realize how fucking hot you are in those gloves?
1: So uh, got me some spank fodder for later.
2: Wow. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. So he's spanking me and spanking me. And I finally get to the point where I start getting spacey and like he starts realizing, all right, it's probably time to take her down. And he takes me down off the cuffs and he puts his arms around his neck. And like my knees had locked up because it was just like I was standing there like in such like ecstasy. It's just like I can't sit down. My knees are locked up. So I kind of had to like force my knee down <laughs> so I could sit down in a chair behind me and they put a puppy pad down behind me to catch the blood. And I sat there for a few minutes. I couldn't even get my eyes to focus. It was just so much yummy chemicals running through my body. It was such an amazing experience where it was just like, it was a, fir- a lot of firsts for us, but it was just like, I have never played that hard with vampire gloves ever before. And it was a, in a really intense erotic scene so then finally, I started coming down, and usually with Doc, I'll kind of go to this little aftercare room where there's couches. And I kind of stood up from where I was sitting, and I pulled the puppy pad off, and there was just a ton of blood. And I was like, holy shit. You're not going to we- sit
1: on uh, couches.
2: <laughs> well, No, no, I had, no I couches had pu- for path girl. I had puppy pads everywhere I went for the rest of the night. I was a responsible player. But... Um, so then we kind of sat in the aftercare room. We were talking about, he's like, that has got to be like one of the top five scenes I've ever done. That He's like, thank you so much. That was amazing. And we were just kind of talking about all the great things about it. And um, it was really, I, I still have marks. It's like over a week later. I still have marks on my butt.
1: Well, <laughs> one of the things that was great is you were uh, nice enough to send an audio clip of your first uh, experience taking a shower after the 5,000 holes in your ass Uh vampire glove play. So I'm just going to go ahead and play that now. Okay. So here we go.
2: I'm stepping into my shower and close curtains water on the floor. And, okay, so I'm under the water in the front, which obviously isn't bad because I don't have any vampire glove marks on the front. And it is going to absolutely suck for me to turn around right now, but I need to wash my skin to make sure it doesn't get infected, so... (sighs) This is going to suck so bad, but okay, here we go. All right, I am turning around. (gasps) Holy fuck! Holy fuck! Holy fuck! Oh, shit, shit, shit! Ow, 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 ow! It is a thousand fucking needles in my ass, and that is not good. I just have to jump out of the water stream because holy fuck! Damn it!
0: Okay,
2: okay. I have to go back under to get clean.
0: Oh, fuck. All right,
2: here we go. Oh, fuck, shit, oh, shit, fuck. Needles, pins, scrapes, ow, fuck. Oh, God, I can't even stand there for more than, like, three or four seconds at a time because it is just literally somebody is jabbing a thousand needles into my butt. Oh! Play with vampire clothes. they said. It'll be fun, they said. Yeah, all right, all right. One last time, and I'm gonna grab some soap to try to wash my skin because just I need to wash it. So let's add some soap into the mix. Oh god. Alright, here we go. Ready? Ow, 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 Last night was fun, but I don't know if it was fun enough for this. Ow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you big oh. ham. <laughs>
2: I didn't really ham it up that much because it was a thousand needles in my ass. It was, oh my God. Oh, that's great.
1: <laughs> that is great. Oh, well, there's, us, one of,
2: there's one there's one other ahead. kicker to this, though. So... Doc when he plays with me and when he plays with any bottom he has a habit of kind of wrapping himself around his bottom's body and kind of hugging on them and kind of you know feeling on them and being sensual we didn't realize until after the scene was over we cleaned up and got dressed i walked out to the little common area where there was some food and stuff and i got some something to eat he i see him walk into the bathroom and then he walks out with a bewildered look on his face and he starts walking toward me and the light starts getting brighter he was wearing all black, and he was covered in my blood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, there is no safety. <laughs>
2: oh, oh, and um, he just looks at me and goes, I hope I don't get pulled over on the way home, because I have some explaining to do.
1: <laughs> He's all, I can't sit anywhere. Did Now, did he have puppy pads? <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, the, the the blood got absorbed by all his clothes, and it was on the front. There was nothing on the right. back, so he was oh, able okay. to sit down in other places, and he was obviously careful about, like, you know, hugging on people and stuff, but it was just kind of like... I just told people at the beginning of the scene, I'm like, you want to see my STD card? Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, risk-aware consensual kink. That's for mm. goddamn sure. People oh. that... I mean, once again, you try to do as much, and it sounds like, you you know, with your puppy pads and you guys were responsible, you talked to the uh, the manager of the function... And let them know what was going on. Yes. You you mark the area off in plastic and tarps. You did everything right that you could do in a non-surgical setting. But it right. is a one hundred percent fact. No matter how hard you draw, uh, no matter how hard you try. It is not a surgical setting. It is not a 100% sterile environment. You do the best you can, but there are risks involved. And people going to dungeons where that type of play, where almost any type of play goes on, you are you cannot expect 100% safety right. uh, at any time for anything. If someone canes somebody and there's a little bit of blood, that cane's flinging blood all over the room. There's yes, that's just uh, the the shitty truth of that. But you do the best you can to to mitigate that. There's the public service announcement uh disclaimer uh for people that are like oh my god (laughs) but uh but that is awesome
2: oh it was amazing boogie i wish you could have seen it
1: oh that is so well i saw the pictures afterwards and i'm like that is because you know i've seen a number of vampire play scenes i've never done vampire play because i don't have gloves and i think it's pretty safe to mention with all of this involved those are your vampire gloves that are yes. only used on you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and obviously you negotiated with your top that he was willing to wear those. And, uh, and so that's it. It's not like, Oh, Hey, can I borrow those? I want to try those on my board. Yeah. no,
2: no, 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 <laughs> no. Those are mine. T- I mean, granted, multiple tops have used them, but I disinfect them. I mean, we even disinfected them that night at the dungeon. And the next day, I pulled them back out to condition them. And there was still blood on there. So I had to basically sure. reclean them again and then condition them just to make sure that everything is safe.
1: You yeah, know? absolutely. But just um, so many holes in your butt. <laughs>
2: oh, oh, oh. Just oh, so, so many. many
1: um, the after look, the holes. picture was so awesome. I'm like, that was a vampire... Glove scene where they did not uh, dilly dally. There was no uh-huh. dilly dallying in that scene, you know, because I've seen a lot of people do vampire play scene where it's a couple swats and you let the blood run down the leg uh-huh. and, you know, it's kind of hot. But this was a there was a lot of holes there.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, this is the hardest I've ever used these gloves, I and mean, it's just—I it, I didn't even feel it at the time that I was playing that hard, and it was just like, oh my god, this is so fucking amazing.
1: That is amazing. <laughs> that is that is just top to bottom an amazing scene, and everything seems to work out. Yes. Uh, very well, and once again, just a, a great example of doing your absolute best to make sure that the safety's taken care of, and. And that way you can just get on to having that kind of scene. That's that's great. Yes. Good, Thank you. Good stuff. Aww. You, How many times did you masturbate thinking about that scene?
2: I played the fifth on the grounds that might incriminate me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I needed new batteries.
0: Let's just put it at that.
1: Ah, bravo, bravo. <laughs>
0: Fed life is the place
1: where unicorns play but then they fuck each other in the ass with their horns because that's the kind of freaky shit that happens on Fed lie for your
2: peace of mind please know that the author of every post we just talk about on the show has specifically granted us permission to do so
1: thank you well said well said kathy kathy fill in liner reading person <laughs> do you practice that in front of the mirror No, I have it written in
2: front of me. I have it written in front of me just to make sure I don't, you know, and I have it broken up a certain way, so I make sure I hit every spot.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. I'm glad to see you're working at it. Your enthusiasm is noted by the perverted podcast listeners and myself.
2: Thank you.
1: So this is a good post. This is actually a post that you brought to me. Yes. um, And uh, well-fitting along with the vampire glove scene that I think the post goes right into it. This is from, uh, I believe it's Kaya.
2: That's what I thought, too. I think
1: Kaya or Kaya, C-A-H-Y-A, whatever, uh, just a real pretty name. That's what I used to to call Bunny in in one of our characters when we had our little band. Her character was Kaya, but it was a different spelling. But anyway, Kaya writes, my masochism is my choice, not my trauma. Which, right right there? Let's just go ahead and stop and talk for about an hour on that but this this was a (laughs) well-written post and i'm going to chop the whole i think when kathy used to talk about how she had to butcher things and she always was the one to do it and i'm like oh okay well you know that's probably a pain in the like when there's so much stuff in a post Mm -hmm. and you're like uh uh, uh," you can't there's no way that's why we posted on Life. Yes uh in our sticky notes on our perverted podcast fet life page, so and we're just going to touch on the things that I think that you and I can uh respond the best to, but it's a great post, and it goes something like this: what I am going to read. Yes, I am a masochist. No, I do not enjoy pain just for the sake of feeling pain. There are other reasons that I willingly allow another human to beat me or cause me to suffer in other ways. First, let me say this though. I am not mentally corrupt. I am not emotionally jaded. I am not physically damaged. My choices are my own based on who I am and what I need. My childhood was good. I was not abused, and I had many friends who loved me, and I loved them. I'm saying this because there are some who truly believe that masochists are suffering past traumas, so we resort to what we know while... Oh, sorry. I better read that again. (laughs) I never read that part. (laughs) I'm saying this because there are some who truly believe that masochists are suffering past traumas, so we resort to what we know. While that may be the case for some, and a very rare few, that is definitely not the majority rule. She then goes on to post... Uh, very well broken down, like sections, multiple sections of what her masochism about, why I suffer for myself, why I'll suffer for him, why I won't play for you. She has like five seconds sections. So I'll post that up and you guys can read that. So first I wanted us to get into the obvious, Mm -hmm. which is masochists are all broken. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) So do you want to start with that or? Uh...
2: I, I, I have so many. I love this post. I have so many thoughts on this post. I just want to channel my inner queer eye for the straight guy and just scream at the top of my lungs. Yes, queen. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, just to give you a little backstory for me, I am a masochist. It took me many years to admit to myself that I was a masochist and the fact that I like receiving pain from my partners. Now, granted, I'm the person that when I stub my toe, I cry like a little bitch. So for me to turn around and realize that I like receiving pain from my partners was kind of like a what the fuck moment for me. I grew up in New York City. I was exposed at a very young age to all flavors of the LGBTQ rainbow and alternative lifestyle. And I had an idea of what BDSM was from TV and you know things I got exposed to. You fast forward to my adult life and sexual experiences, and I start playing around with spanking and choking and bondage and the sex that goes along with it. And afterwards, I would be physically drained, ecstatically happy, and just lying there in what I used to call afterglow. And you always hear about in the vanilla world about incredible sex, and afterwards, you guys are exhausted, and you're cuddling, and there's this little glowy kind of thing. But it wasn't until I started re- researching lifestyle that I realized that that was actually subspace. And it finally clicked about, oh, all, I'm doing all these risky things that are pushing my body, and that's subspace. But then I made that realization of, okay, I like doing all these weird and strange things. I must be fucking broken. There's <laughs> something wrong with me. I mean, I didn't have a perfect childhood. Nope, most people don't. I endured psychological and sexual abuse and in my childhood and in my adult years. But that's not the reason why I'm a masochist. And that's why my love for this post comes in, where she breaks down so many reasons why she's personally a masochist. And it oil boils down to one sentence of, if you're a masochist, You are not broken.
1: Absolutely.
2: Exactly.
1: Well, I think, I mean, we know because we've been in this lifestyle for a long time. It is a fair assumption. I, I like to give people credit who are not involved in the lifestyle because they can only go based off what they've seen. That's why we preach endlessly that there should be a thousand BDSM kink podcasts, that this should be something that we talk about openly because it is a large percentage of people that are interested in this. So I could totally see if you're just trying to put together, we're raised to see that hitting people is bad and pain is bad. And we've been programmed to see abuse, abuse, abuse that Absolutely. If you're from the outside and you've never been in a BDSM dungeon and you've never been in a negotiated play scene where you have literally called the owners of the facility to ask them how you should put up tarps and discuss with your top what type of gloves and go through safety protocols and all of these things. If you have no idea about what goes into a hopefully what we would refer to as an ethical BDSM play scene then all you can go is by what's spinning around in your head. And that's probably a pretty horrific thought. Right. That is probably a scary goddamn thought. So I understand that. But we're here to tell you, as people that are in the lifestyle that are hopefully doing this in a more ethical way, just like this poster said, it is the minority of people because sure in every group and we go to the journal of sexual medicine study that was put out a couple years ago that basically killed uh that helped kill BDSM and kinky sex and rough sex as a pathology which was right. listed in the D, uh, what is it, the DSM 5 or whatever right. um the psychological you know pathology you know book and it was taken out of there as a pathology as long as it's done in this way that we talk about in the lifestyle with, you know, compassion and negotiation and consent and those types of things. Exactly. So the statistics show that the number of people that were abused that get into kink and BDSM is really no different than any other group 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 group. Any other group. Freudian slip. <laughs> any other group. Anywhere where people grope people, like the Catholic Church, um, any group, including churches, including churches, bowling leagues, Halloween haunt groups, poker group. you know, any place where people congregate, it's a pretty normal average of people that have an abusive past or have been abused in the past and that they they're doing that thing. So... That being said, I come from a background where I did have abuse in my life. So I am the go-to for the people that want to have what's called like a confirmation bias. I watch Neil deGrasse Tyson a lot. He teaches me fancy words. Um, (laughs) Confirmation bias is when you have a thought in your head and you're just looking for the thing to prove it. You know, like the world is flat and you're like, oh, I stood at the beach. Look, see, it looks flat. So it must be flat. no, And then you don't have to search anymore. So I'm not a good person. That's why I'm so grateful for Kaya to write as somebody who had a normal childhood, who had a healthy childhood, who had love in her life, that this is still something that is passionate for her. Because then what that does for me and hopefully what we can explain to the non-kinky people that listen to our show is... These types of activities, these visceral activities, if you take out the sexuality alone, are very normal for our species, for our biology. Visceral activity between human beings is celebrated in our culture. Are tackle football players all abused? Are people in mixed martial arts abused, all come from abuse and trauma, any high exertion, any high exertion exercise. Have all those people been abused? Have you ever tried to ride up an eight mile hill on a bike with a teeny little seat shoved up your ass? (laughs) Let me tell you something, man, that's masochism. That is straight masochism. And it's masochism for a goal. You're willing to go through that pain in order to achieve a higher state of awareness a challenge for yourself, and or just an endorphin rush, yes, and that's what people do. So now, if you add eroticism and sexuality to that, it's not that big of a jump to think of it like that. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there is a lot of things in her post that identify with, and it's just, and you could even flip it around and say that people who are sadists and like to inflict the pain, you are not fucked up either you know both sides of the slash are you're consensually coming together and one person likes to inflict pain one person likes to receive the pain and it's this marvelous symphony of putting two people together and creating a scene i mean it's you know i'm a masochist cuz i love that rush of the of the body chemicals i love when i go into subspace my brain goes completely silent for days and it's all my anxiety just melts away and the pain that i get you know for days later it's it's a reminder of that awesome thing and you know it's it's just an amazing thing that two people can do together to have two halves of a whole that fit together
1: absolutely and and kaya wrote something in her post under her uh, my masochism part 1 why I, i'll suffer for myself and she says i'm an overthinker Physical pain helps slow my thoughts down, sometimes clearing my mind completely, like you just said, in a state of mind, I can relax. And I keyed in on that because I'm like, that's not just for masochists. Uh That is literally one of my driving forces to why I like to top, Because my brain is insane all day, tormenting me. When I have to be responsible and focus on this person that has given me that much trust over their body, over their mind – you know depending on how connected you are with the person that there can be a lot of mental too and you have the you have a oh, yeah. possibility of completely fucking someone up mentally so that's an incredible responsibility when I'm in that and especially when I was playing with more than one person at the same time that just literally doubles it and triples it because every aspect of who I am that you can't think i can't you can't casually. Just beat someone and then, like, you know, not think about your regular life. Yeah. For me, it is an absolute. I so related to that because that's my thing as a top. I get to not have boogie crazy brain when I'm playing. I don't and think I you've just, ever
2: talked about that. I mean, you've, that, that, I, talk, that, that, I talked
1: about that, probably a Yeah. Little.
2: Well, I mean, I I know on the submissive side, but I mean like I know there are tops that go into what's called top space where it's just like they get tunnel vision and they're, you know, get hyper focused. But I didn't realize that for you that it kind of quiets your mind as well. That's awesome.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, of course, when you talk about top space, um, there are tops that literally just get loopy space like it can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Like there's been tops who have gone so into their, I mean, it's in a sense, and and I'm going to talk about this with Sonny in the next segment, who's into hypno kink. It's a trance. And that trance gives you the ability to literally just leave the world and other parts of your brain open up that show you things that, that allow you with all the chemicals and endorphins and all of that stuff comes uh, for a lot of people, a lot of visions, a lot of, being able to just leave the world and actually see things real hallucinations or like body hallucinations where you feel certain things and you identify them but you maybe don't see them like swimming in chocolate or uh I think uh Sunny wrote down some things about bubbles and stuff like that maybe she'll talk about in the segment that we do but uh this is the ability for people to literally leave earth in a hopefully safer, sane, and consensual way. It is much more, the pain is just the vehicle for a lot of people. You know, you have have monks go on the mountains. You know, we talk about that. Monks go on the mountains and have to spend like three years smelling Himalayan yak pee, you know, so they can clear their mind enough to go into that trance state and then become at one with everything around them. We kind of cheat. We're able to do it a little bit quicker with pain. Because just like when you stub your toe, everything that you're thinking about in your life ends at that moment. Paying your bills, who you're going to vote for, you know, yeah. taking care of your kids. When you stub your toe on that coffee table, pain is the default. Right. It takes everything. And you are only focused on that. So if you can do that in a more constructive way where there's a build and stuff like that, you can really go – to another world. And I think that's the biggest draw from what I've seen for most people that play is just that escape, that pain, yes. or that giving pain is a doorway to a more open part of the mind without having to use drugs or alcohol. Exactly. Because it's cleaner than drugs and alcohol. And the hangover is, is much less. And you actually remember more of it and it's less selfish because when you're high, you're all about your high. That's a whole nother topic, um, which is why I, I don't like, you know, didn't like playing high. Mm-hmm. So this is a great topic. Oh, oh my God, I,
2: there's so much. I, I just want to hold this post up to anybody who judges somebody in the lifestyle and Go this. You need to read this. This was an awesome, awesome post.
1: This is an awesome. I have one more point that I'll make before before we end because you know we just tried to basically justify what we do and against the people that say that we were all abused and that people who are into BDSM have all been abused and and I'm going to add something else which I've started on this campaign recently in shows so what what if it's true What if it's true that everyone in the BDSM lifestyle has been abused or is suffering some past trauma or some trauma that we don't even know about, or we had a hard fart and our mom didn't validate us with enough titty when we were a child? What if that was true and that people who did these activities were all people who had past trauma? What is that? Why is that even bad? Because we're in a lifestyle where we talk about compassion, communication, self-advocation, your self-confidence, your self-worth, building that self-confidence up so you can say no and advocate for yourself on both sides of the power exchange. All of the things that we try to teach in this lifestyle are positive therapy. So what if this is where people come if they're fucked up? Let's just say that's the truth. You're right. You mad detective you. <laughs> but I would much rather come here than have people go to drugs. I'd rather have people come to the BDSM lifestyle and learn these things than go off into other negative behaviors and not continue to communicate or, and and do things that harm themselves or not build a self-worth. I would much rather them come on perverted podcast with us and work together to be a better person. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. Everyone's got to go somewhere. No matter what your past is, good or bad. It's just another excuse, I think, for people to be self-righteous. It's oh, like the definitely. type of people. It's oh. like the, the, the dudes that are like, oh, that chick has daddy issues. Like, who the fuck doesn't have daddy? Who who do, who doesn't have mommy and daddy issues? Like, yeah. all of us had self-actualized parents that validated us as a human being instead of a thing. Of
2: course. Ugh.
1: We all have issues. And who cares? The bottom line is how that manifests into becoming a better person. And I think the way you did your scene with your top and your vampire gloves and the types of things that Kaya talks about. Um, are a better way, and it's more fun. And we fuck, so fuck you, you judgy piece of shit.
0: <laughs> fuck you. Fuck
1: you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you so much to Kaya for an amazing post. Yes. We are going to post that uh, up on our Felt Life page. Go read it. Go read. it
0: I have nine condoms on my dick. I have my. That you're a chick But I'm drunk and I have five bucks Behind this dumpster we'll find love I'll plug my nose, I'll stick it in You'll get your rock, I'll score my jizz Transaction done, no need to kiss Crackhead loving quick Perverted Podcast, listener segue
1: Okay, Uh, alright Taking a deep breath with me, sonny Oh yeah This is good, this isn't an induction by the way I I really am just, I have no patience for that That's why you're here Sunny Lee Main How the hell are you?
3: I am well, thank you. It's nice to be here.
1: It is very wonderful to have you. We've been having all these joyful, magical, logistical emails and, and fights with Zencaster together. <laughs> I feel like we've literally like marched through battle together in order to get here for the Perverted Podcast audience, and I'm glad you stuck with it because I think this is going to be fun.
3: Yes, I am very happy to be
1: here. Very happy. So now when you first reach out to me now, um, besides all of the magical things that you do in your kinky life, you are an erotic author. Is that correct?
3: Yes, that is true.
1: Okay, so let's just get the first plug out of the way so I don't forget. If people are interested in your erotic writings, where can they go?
3: They are available on Amazon. Um, I am Sunny Lee Main everywhere. And if you search for Turn the Key, you'll get book one um, or the series.
1: Fantastic. Now that the business is out of the way, because I know you're like, hey, you better let me plug my shit. <laughs> you know, I'm going to hang out with some weird guy on a podcast. Um, but I've read some of your stuff. You sent me some of your stuff, and I really did enjoy your wording. Usually, I'm just going to tell you honestly, we get a lot of calls. Uh, from authors that are like, I wrote an erotic novel, and <laughs> and you're like, that's that's wonderful. We we tend to do on this show more life experience stuff, but you know, like in this situation, you're a kinky person. Uh, we can pitch your book, but um, you know, it's more about your real experiences, and we're going to get into some of those. But it's so funny because most of the authors that reach out to us to try to get on the show are not really kinky. This is just like their alter ego mental personality and they write their Fifty Shades of Grey style stuff. Got it. And and okay. it's usually awful. But I did enjoy like the four, I read all the things that you sent about your things and I really, I enjoyed your wording and phrasing. I usually don't talk about those things on the show, but I really didn't enjoy the things that, that I've read from you. So hopefully people will go check that out. But what's important is that you went the extra mile and filled out the questionnaire that we give to our perverted podcast listeners if they want to come and be with us on the show to talk about their life experiences. And you had some really interesting things to say that I would like to get into if you are ready.
3: Yes, fire at will.
1: Uh, Fire at Oh yeah, like (laughs) that. By the way, I am a giant pervert, and uh, you are free to be as well, hence the clever name of the show. So the first thing that um, I really wanted to get into was uh, there's a question on the questionnaire that says, what do you wish you would have known prior to getting in the lifestyle that might have helped you navigate a little bit better? And you put, uh, I wish I would have known some of the red flags. Yes. So I, I, I'm like, oh, we can talk about red flags. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like flags, that's good stuff. We, can, we talk about that a lot on the show. But it has been a while since we've gone over some of the red flags to look for for our newer listeners that are maybe sure. just venturing into a dungeon or going online trying to find someone to play with. So what I asked you to make a list of some of the red flags that you wish you would have known when you got here. And could you please give us those?
3: Sure. So, you know, I think that it's important to remember that it doesn't matter if you're a top or a bottom. um, These things apply. Um, And that's actually sort of red flag number one. Um, Someone who says, I'm the top, so therefore I don't have limits. Mm. Um, I don't need to have safe words. You know, this is just about your limits. That will be the basis for things. Um, to me, that's a giant red flag, because I think that in kink and DS, there's um, a really important dynamic of trust, and it has to go both ways. Um, so, you know, I am mostly dominant. I do have a dom myself, and whether I'm topping or bottoming a scene, I have to have trust that my partner will use their safe words. Um, anybody who says they don't have limits is full of shit, <laughs> quite frankly.
1: Aim into that. Um, or, know, they're just so inex- like re- <laughs> or they're just so inexperienced that they don't know what they don't know yet. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? And like usually like if some you respond people respond
3: to that with like, "So you're cool if I stick a needle in your skin or I
1: like, can dildo up your yeah, ass." Yeah, yeah, usually or, it's pretty like, oh, easy. Oh, well, maybe not that. You're all. Can I cut <laughs> off all your hair? Is that okay? And they're like, <laughs> "No."
3: Fire's cool. Fire's cool. <laughs> you know?
1: and, and once again, you know, some people are real snooty about it and act like, you know, kind of aloof dicks. But it is an innocent mistake for most people. Some people are very arrogant about their blah, 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 blah But some people really, they, they don't know that they don't know what they don't know because they don't know it. Does that make sense? Yes. So they don't know what their limits are because... Because all they're thinking about is, oh, this is about spanking and this and that. They don't know that there's this whole wonderful, depraved other thing.
3: Yes. And, you know, a checklist exists. Many checklists exist. I highly recommend if someone is really new that they take a look at one. Um, some of them are even designed for developing hard and soft limits, you know, really firm boundaries and things that you can sort of test out, you know, with discussion. Um I highly recommend taking a look at one of those, so that before you have that conversation for real, you have some idea of what those types of things might be. Um, and I mean, I have looked at lists, and even with experience, seen something, and you know, been like, "What the hell is that?" I have no idea. <laughs> um, you know, but it can give you some idea. Gonna
1: go hit the Googles.
3: Yeah, and and that's a good thing. You know, information is important. Information is power. Um, You know, and then once those limits are established, red flag number two is really having somebody push against those limits and specifically, um, using dynamic as an excuse for, for broken boundaries. So, you know, once you've said, like, this is never okay no matter what, um, nobody should be pressuring you to try it. You know, nobody should be changing the rules in the middle of a scene. You know, sometimes things change over time, but that should really be discussed in sort of a, um, you know, a non-scene setting um, where you can really think it through and you're not in headspace um, and somebody pushing against those saying, you know, well, you know, making you feel badly about them. You really should do these things. That's a giant red flag. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like you hear a lot. Um, they treat your limits as something like you need to get over. Right. Right. You know, like, oh, oh, well, yeah, I understand you have those limits. We'll respect those now, but those are basically your immaturity because you don't understand what true dominance or submission really is about. So I'll be patient with you now. But really, you should be looking forward to getting over anal hooks in about a week because that's my uh, that's my schedule.
3: Hey, those are fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that, but if that's your limit and you don't want someone to stick a hook on your ass, then that needs to be yours. Now, then, that doesn't mean, and and once again, you know, we say things on the conservative level sometimes because there's a, a general description. Of course, there are times where you may have a hard limit, and then all of a sudden, after some time in the lifestyle, you've seen other people play or you've read about things and you've read about the different aspects, and it's all of a sudden not as scary, and it becomes a soft limit. Maybe you are curious about I don't think that's what we're talking about. No. What we're talking about is when you know, you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I, that, that doesn't, that has no attraction to me, whatever. And then the person tries to kind of push you into it.
3: Right. And, you know, sometimes it, it kind of surprises you. Like, um, fire was one of mine
1: Mm. and
3: then I really wanted to do wax play and I got all these candles and the stuff for wax play. My partner was like, wait a minute, you realize that I have to actually like light this candle (laughs) I mean, you could use warmer, sure, but in the moment, sure, sure. the type that we had, it was like, wait a minute, I'm about to light this on fire. And I was like, oh my God, I was so excited about it that I <laughs> I was fine with it, like right up until that moment. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, and then we just paused and like took a minute, you know, because stuff like that happens to negotiate. Okay, well, keep the flame away from my body within like, right. you know, a couple of feet, just drip it from a, you know, a height or something like that. Sure, I don't want sure. any fire near my hair. Sure, sure. <laughs> Um, and so that stuff happens, but if you have a basis, you know, a general understanding of what's okay and what's not okay, and you feel comfortable enough to say, you know, stop or use your safe word, um, you know, then, then those things can be explored safely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the only other one did, was that your list or did you have any more?
3: Um, I mean, I think that generally, just when you're meeting somebody new, people who come on really strongly, who are using sort of honorifics like "Hey, baby girl," or you know, "I'm Master So and So," like that's a bunch of bullshit. Why? <laughs> Sorry, what? do I'm you just mean? gonna say
0: it?
1: Master Boogie. <laughs> My name, Sunny. We've joked about it on the show. I have the least sexiest name on the planet. There is no, you cannot call me Boogie Sir or Sir Boogie or Master Boogie or, you know, whatever. It works okay. It works okay as a daddy, you know, which thank goodness because I'm a daddy type. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, Boogie is there is surely no good honorifics for me that will not immediately make everyone involved burst out into laughter.
3: Yes. And I think that the thing that's important about that is that, you know, on a broader level, Um, somebody who you don't know, making assumptions about, you know, who you are, what you like to be called, you know, not asking for your consent before they engage in something that is generally reserved. Um, You know, most people are very serious. Um, You know, when they're in the lifestyle about who they'll call master or sir. it's not something that's taken lightly or it's in a, you know, a a sandbox of, you know, for this time limited period, you know, these are the things we're going to say. It's not something that you just approach someone with. So talk to people like they're a human being. (laughs) Right. Now
1: then, once again, Sunny, to out my stupidity and vulnerability, um, there is a thing when I used to be online before I got on the lifestyle You had kind of an assumption that, oh, when we're, you know, we're role playing, I I wasn't like disrespecting the person, but I just kind of assumed, oh, that's how it works because of my ignorance Like, well, obviously, you're a female, so obviously, you got to be a bottom because that's what everyone says, which is cool because I don't want to be a bottom. (laughs) Um, So, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't malicious. It was just I was literally ignorant. Mm -hmm. I literally thought so. So you would use things, you know, like you would have like two emails with someone and then you're like, oh, you could see you're starting to flirt in that way. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, call me, sir, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of, you know, once again, there's a difference between innocent ignorance and somebody who literally doesn't care about the other person. Yes. And, yes. and so I think in, in regards to honorifics, you know, understand that, that the red flag might also be the fact that they're just stupid because that was surely the case for me or
3: an experience. Like if yeah. somebody's coming at me and they're like, I'm i I'm a master or, you know, I'm um, whatever they're trying to put themselves off, like they're some kind of like expert in whatever, but that they don't even know that that term might be important. That right. sends my bullshit meter is off a little bit because I'm kind of like, well, you know, um, how about mastering some self control? Right. <laughs> like do a little reading, and, and maybe it just is a sign that that person is a little bit inexperienced. It doesn't always mean they're a jerk, but, right. but you sometimes know, especially does. if you're new, it's hard to tell.
1: Yeah, and fortunately, I had people that instead of just eviscerating me, I mean, I got some people making some jokes, which I deserved. Um, but there were people that were like, hey, new guy, um, here's, you know, this is a bigger <laughs> you know bigger picture some people take these things like collars and pets and you know all of those things there's actually people that this is their dynamic this is their thing and it's important to understand that not everyone is in a role play it's not just a funzy role play for some people this is actually how they run their relationships and so you know i felt stupid a couple times and then you know started shutting up a little more and listening a little more going to a few more <laughs> classes and then going oh Uh, Oh, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense there. Why I would seem like a giant douche.
3: Yeah, and I, you know, I always recommend if you're in a situation that's new, like you're walking into a dungeon, it's your very first time, whatever it is, you know, like explore, be excited about that. But maybe just take a moment to like look around and observe how other people are behaving. What are they doing? And you'll start to notice that there's sort of like an ebb and flow and a pattern to things. You'll notice that if a scene is going on, other people are, you know, mostly keeping a respectful distance and they're not interfering or trying to insert themselves. And there are places where it's okay to have conversation with somebody and places where you should probably be quiet because you're, you know, you're disturbing something and just take a minute to like, look around, kind of see what the vibe is, what other people are doing.
1: Get the lay Um, of the land. And you can learn a lot. Yeah, just get the lay of the Yeah. That Absolutely good advice on that one for sure. Two points, Sonny. I had one <laughs> more on the red flags that I just always like to throw out. Uh, we've talked about it sure. a lot on the show when we talk about red flags. And that's if they try to basically separate you from other opinions or involvement in the bigger lifestyle. Like if they try to shield you, especially if you're new. And, and they say, oh, you don't need to, you know, go on all these groups and ask questions and learn things and go to classes. I know everything that you need to know. And they basically try to keep you away, you know, from learning that they're basically either not having your best interest or they're full of shit or they're, you know, a negative <laughs> type of predator. So and also in the same way, if they have a lot of things to say but they don't ever source anything they don't ever say well i went to this class or i read this post or i did this investigation or i did something outside of myself other than my natural primordial dominant visceral energy <laughs> that just taught it you know from the wind i learned cuz i'm a natural born dominant which is always the most humorous thing when you, uh-huh. yeah, look, motherfucker. When you were three years old, your mom slapped you around, told you where the fuck to sit. You were submissive your entire childhood. There's no such thing as a natural born dominant, you dipshit. Anyway, that's just my rant. I think it's cute, um, but yeah. So if people try to separate you and from getting other opinions and information, that is always a big red flag because that can, that's just going to be a gaslighting relationship.
3: Yes, and actually, isolation was something that was on my list, believe it or not, because it is such a big thing, okay, and, okay, good. you know, so, um, you know, whether it's declining to meet in a public space when you're getting to know somebody you know the rules of like meeting somebody online and dating for safety don't go out the window just because it's now kinky and you feel like you have to hide like you can totally have a cup of coffee and get to know somebody in a public place that's a thing you don't have to meet them in some sketchy hotel room the first time you know you're gonna meet in person um You know, but in general, I find that um, getting involved—go to a class, go to a convention, go to a munch, go to a well-established club—not the one in someone's basement, right? You know, a real one. Um, Why isn't
1: anybody here? Oh, you're the first one to arrive. You'll be the last one to leave too.
3: You know, because in those spaces, you know, the people who spend a lot of time in those spaces, um, you know, who really live the lifestyle, like they're going to be the first ones if someone's being a dick to say get out.
0: Right, right. Um, you know, you're
3: not welcome in our space if you're not a, a safe player. And so if you're completely new to the scene, doing some of those things can one, introduce you to people who know how to do it safely, who know how to do it well. Um, and also there's a little bit of vetting. It's not a 100% safe, but, you know, like a lot of times if you're going to something, you know, like a munch, um, you know, or a smaller club where people hang out, you know, on a regular basis, people know each other. So. Sure, sure. You know, there's a little bit of, of that going on. You can kind of tell if somebody has a lot of, um, you know, people around them and that are comfortable in their space versus giving them a wide berth, um, that sort of thing.
1: Absolutely. And of course, just a caveat to that. If you are in an area that has no community, which a lot of our listeners in <laughs> In countries, yeah, (laughs) that's fair, that have no community or nothing, there are still ways you know you can still meet for coffee or tea somewhere, you can still be in public, you can still create bonds with people in FET life groups of similar interests Mm -hmm. that you can learn from and accountability and let them know, hey, I'm going to meet this person here. There are still safe, you can still have a safe call with your friends yep. or people that you trust that can say, hey, I'm going to meet this person on a date. You don't have to tell them it's a kinky date. You can just say, I'm going to go meet this person. You know, there are, even if you don't have a community and and once again, I also have to caveat, not all communities are well run and some of them are negative and controlling and whatever. The hope is, is the more opinions that you get, the safer you can be because you're going to hear that you deserve to be empowered, and you deserve to be able to speak for yourself and to advocate for yourself.
3: Yes, I agree, and I, I think I take for granted sometimes that I live in a community where there's a lot of kink, so it's not that hard um, for sure. But I think you know the more of these things that you can do, um, you know, whether it's virtual, you know, or or in person. Um, nothing is ever going to be 100% safe. There's always going to be risk. And I mean, that's the same for, for scenes, especially when there's edge play involved. Um, sure. But it's a calculated risk and you take the precautions that you can and, and you do the best you can.
1: Absolutely. Fantastically put, Sunny Lee Main <laughs> written down here. You know, because that's like I am still a promoter, I do radio uh, you know listen I'm Sunny Lee main player.
3: on everything like you know if you want to find me on Fat life if you want to find me on Goodreads on Amazon, I have my own website and my scene name you know I think probably half of the people that know me know me as sunny at this point, so I respond to both um perfect yeah it, it's it's part of my real life, so i I just find that perfect. it's easy. <laughs>
1: Well, Sonny, let's get in. We have a little bit of time left because I mean, hopefully, you have enjoyed this magical time that we have shared together, and you might be interested to come in another time to maybe elaborate a little bit on on the next one. Uh, because I would
3: love that. Because
1: uh, well, thank you. That's great. Um, so let's tap a little bit <laughs> as on. Long it, as long as you I, plug
3: my books. <laughs> no, I'm I, just kidding.
1: <laughs> You know what? I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) I don't have a problem with that, and I fought with so many people, and I'm going to rant with you, Sonny, because this show, I'm very protective of people that just want to come in and use perverted podcast I get it all the time and they want to use this show to jerk themselves off or whatever the fuck they're selling and they don't offer anything to my fucking listeners you know you have experiences in your life you have been willing to come in and do what we do on this show which is share your personal experiences your knowledge and your highs and lows and vulnerability and in exchange from that, I have no fucking problem promoting what you're doing. I think it's <laughs> fucking great. But as long as somebody has like that fair exchange thing, I'm very big on a fair exchange. So I absolutely have no problem plugging your fucking books, Sonny. I think it's <laughs> a good thing. And I hope people go and check out your shit because you offered something to our goddamn audience. Yeah, honestly, you know, I,
3: I think kink education is important. And, um... I like participating. I'm an active member of my community even when I'm not writing. And I think that one of the reasons that my writing comes off as authentic is because I write what I know. You know, I'm not just like Googling a bunch of shit and trying to write a sexy scene. You know, I live it. This is my life.
1: (laughs) Well, good. Well, then let's get into a touch of the other thing before we had to go because there was one. And this is good because we've talked about this on the show. We've had a few different people come on and talk about hypno kink. The question was, was there something that when you came into the lifestyle, you're like, no, not for me. No way. And then all of a sudden you learned about it and now you're like, that's one of my favorite things to do. And you responded, hypnosis and hypno kink. Yes. So can you very quickly tell me a little bit about the transition from fuck no to why you now enjoy it?
3: Yes, and actually, you know, it's kind of a story of things done right in light of our, you know, our red flag discussion, because um, I was like, fuck no, you know, people talk about safe, sane, consensual, and don't drink and kink, and I'm like, if you're not driving the bus, if you're not in control of your <laughs> right, own brain, right,
0: right. you know,
3: how can you possibly consent? That was kind of my my bone with it, and um, I was at a convention, because that's what people do to learn sometimes, and I stumbled completely by accident into a hypno kink lecture, um, and by Hypnostory and Panda Pet, who I um, have permission to mention
1: mm-hmm. um,
3: to tell this story. And uh, I was completely mesmerized by their lecture, and they really do a good job of talking about how hypnosis is not really um, magical mind control. You know, you can't be hypnotized if you don't um, want to be. You know, and the person who comes up to you and says, you can't hypnotize me, is right, because they right. don't want to be hypnotized. Um, You know, and without, like, chemical interference, you know, that's how real hypnosis works. You have to want it to work. Um, and so I, I was, you know, totally, um, into this lecture. They did a lot of really cool demos and then I could not stop thinking about it. And I wrote about it a little bit <laughs> cause that's what I do. <laughs> and then I wrote to them and I was like, tell me more about this. And we hit it off. Um, and we're very good friends now. And so, you know, hypno and Panda pet, they do a lot of hypno Um, but we just developed a friendship and they really have mentored me, um, taught me how to do it well, how to do it safely. Um, they do, in fact, I, I know a lot of people were upset on the East Coast when KinkyCon was canceled due to, um, due to COVID, but they're doing a, a consolation event and it's on Hypno Stories page, which is online if other people want to learn about it in Discord. Um, they do really good hypnoeducation so you know I was like you know what this thing is not as scary as it seemed I learned a little bit about it I'm gonna learn some more from some people who do it well and who do it safely um, and then I'm gonna you know start to incorporate it into my own kink um, and now it's like one of my favorite things I write about it in my stories um, you know it's constantly in my personal play space so that's my, my very fast
1: that is <laughs> lightning
3: a, speed. <laughs>
1: that, is, that is a very, very good lightning fast description of that transition and education. So let me ask uh, a couple more quick questions. Um, what type of headspace did you, cause there's a lot of different types of minds. I am so grateful that you said, if you don't want to be hypnotized, you're not going to be hypnotized that is uh so many people fight against that before mm-hmm. they learn more about this modality so for you what type of mind do you have that led you to be able to go into trance
3: um i'm actually a control freak i'm like very dominant Um, So to give somebody control of my mind requires a lot of trust um, and I don't usually bottom for people who I don't, um, you know, really care about and know really well. Um, But um, you know, I started with, you know, I already have a meditation practice and a mindfulness practice um, so I responded really well to sort of guided meditation into trance. Um, and then I find it's like riding a bike. Once your brain learns how to drop into trance and it knows what that feels like, it becomes easier. And then you can get into things like rapid triggers and, um, you know, things that, you know, your partner might do that sort of automatically, um, induce trance, um, on a rapid basis. Um, there are some other types of rapid inductions that you can do with a stranger, but, um, that really helped me um, having a, like sort of a guided meditation practice, but also I sort of write in a trance. You know, I'm like I step into my stories, and you know, if my character is drinking a glass of wine, like I'm sipping that right bank Bordeaux, you right. know, and right. and and I'm really sort of having a sensual experience um, that the character is having when I'm writing. Um, I'm sure people will now read stuff and like kink out on that, but um, that's okay. Um, but I think that I, I I trance when I write, so
1: well, I think in general, like i 've even heard in in classes on on hypnokink that most people understand the concept of a trance because we do get so involved in a movie or a book or some type of activity that we're doing where we literally just become almost otherworldly and our focus becomes so engrossed in that, that there's that peace and that calm, that homeostasis is where we really just stay in that moment. So I think most people can conceptualize it But I like that you're talking about the process because most people have a pretty chaotic mind, you know, especially if we live in the States where everything's stressful and uh, you know, everyone's fight, fight, fight. And so it's constant fight or flight mm-hmm. to disengage that. It, you're not just going to walk up to somebody. They're going to shake you and say, sleep. And and all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, I'm floating in chocolate. You know, it's just, you know, that's usually not how it works. There's a process.
3: Yeah, it's a skill. And it's not just a skill on the part of the hypnotist. I think that's a, a misconception. You know, being a really good hypnotic subject is something that you can practice. And, right, um, you know, certain people's brains are really good at certain things like some people are really good at kinesthetic sort of sensation um, some people's brains do amnesia and forgetting for a time limited period you know time limited period really well um my my brain is too controlling <laughs> to mm-hmm. forget easily so like my brain does not really do amnesia very well um but like kinesthetic sensual stuff um and like hypno bondage my brain does really well uh, so i do a lot of doll play Right, um, like hypnotic dollification is one of my fetishes. Um, Explain you know, so that for just a,
1: a bit. Now, when go back to the when you talk about sensual hypnosis and your response to that, that means you feel arousal in other ways other than just your genitals being stimulated.
3: Um. Yes. And and just in general, you know, like when I think about sensual BDSM, you know, separate from the hypnosis, you think about like, you know, maybe you're actually taking a sense away or you're heightening a certain sensation and all of your five senses um, and then just like your general situational awareness are involved. And that is part of. Um, part of the enjoyment, part of the thrill, part of the pleasure, um, separate from, you know, just like straight up, you know, genital stimulation. Um, I mean, not that people don't enjoy that, but it's, it's a full body, full mind, full spirit experience. And, um, I like to take that into hypnosis.
1: Very good. Now, when you talk about the hypnotic bondage, you're talking about actually believing even though there are no ropes, there, there's no restraints, that in your trance, you are unable to actually move those body parts that you were told you can't move.
3: Yes. And, you know, one of the um, the ones that people often start with is like feeling like your limbs are very heavy, mm-hmm. um, like they, they weigh a lot, so it's hard to lift them. And I mean, the reality is that, you know, if the fire alarm goes off, you're going to be able to lift your <laughs> arms and break out of it. Like right. you're not really, you know, losing that control. But you can feel the resistance and like, just feeling a little bit of resistance might be where you start. And then as you get more skilled at dropping into trance, you might really feel um, bound, um, even though there are no real ropes or restraints. Um, so it starts small and it, it takes some time, but um, when I do doll play, um, one of the, the things is that you can't move your limbs of your own accord um, in our scenes. Um, and so feeling like you can be posed and your body will hold that pose, but you can't move of your own will. Um, and then you can take it with more experience to a really fun place. Like you only have, um, for example, control of your hands when it's touching someone else's skin. Um, you know, so you can kind of make it more nuanced and, um, but you're starting with, you know, your arms feel really heavy.
1: (laughs) And that, and and that's okay. One of the things That I love is is whatever level you can get to, you're allowing your mind to relax and you're allowing yourself to not be in your bullshit. So even if you just get a little bit of heaviness in your arms and that's as far as you go, shit, man, that's something you should celebrate
3: yeah and if you're enjoying the scene you know like you you can act as if you can move your arms you can just choose to commit to that right, um, right. because you're enjoying the scene even if the the hypnosis is not fully you know effective at what it was intended to do
1: yeah because i know some people like are like oh I, you know they they're like overachievers i know it, it doesn't in anything i've heard it and the stuff that I've done, because I do a lot of guided meditation and gong meditation and stuff. I used to be a massage therapist, and then, of course, I incorporated that into my kink. So I used to do a lot of that, and to a lot of people were competitive, and that kills it. It just kills it. If you're competitive with your fucking meditation, that is literally just a, an oxymoron. It doesn't work. You know, you have to just be able to just say, hey, wherever we go, it's the same thing with achieving orgasm. If you have trouble achieving orgasm or anything that has a mental block, you you just do
3: hands free with hypnosis.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, It's just be okay. whatever you can do and enjoy that and not have to put a timetable or, you know, some pressure on that, because then it just you're. What are you doing it for? You're like, ah, it's not working 15 minutes. Obviously, this is fucking bullshit
3: right I mean your dom telling you you're not allowed to move your limbs you have to maintain this position like that can be sexy on its own without any hypnosis so yeah. you know even if the goal is hypnotic bondage and where you get to is my arms feel a little bit heavy but my dom has told me not to fucking move and I have to have some self control like that's still a really hot scene if you don't get in your head and you're like it's not working and you know this right. sucks because it's not working right away you, you know suck or it's not like
1: magic What did not you in this Right. I'm totally not even inducted.
3: Yeah. Cause like that's not, that's not fun for anybody. No, so. it's not.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Amazing stuff. Sonny, when you come back if you would be so kind as to come back, cause you really were a great guest. If you would, would be willing to. If you would willing to come <laughs> back and then maybe we can get into some more of the specific scenes that you've done and we can kind of walk through those and how you got to that headspace. Cause our listeners always love the hypno stuff because it really is a great, a great way to just become more peaceful. And if it's another tool in your kink bag, another toy in your kink bag, then that's great. But also if it's another tool to get to a place to where you can actually be a happier person and let your body recover from the constant stress that most of us feel. I think it's a real positive thing.
3: Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I do hypno with friends, it's, it's just like I have a no spoons day. Like I have no energy and I feel like shit and I got to go to work. And it's like, let's make you feel energized or relaxed so that you can move. You know, it's not always like a sex thing. Um, hypnosis is a really useful tool for lots of stuff
1: absolutely Sonny. we're gonna have you back but once again i even wrote now plug Sonny's book <laughs> at the end too can you please one more time Sonny lee main let us know where people can find your work
3: yes um you can find me Sonny lee main it's um l-e-i-g-h-m-a-y-n-e um on amazon on goodreads um I have a short story published in Kink Weekly this week. If you like to check that out, um, you can see one of my erotic short stories there. I have my own website, um, sunnylemaine.com with, with links to lots of those things. So I'm on Fat Life under that name. Pretty easy to find. My books are pretty cool. I think <laughs> I don't want to sound totally conceited, but I, I, do write what I know. Well, your you know, life so will of... be
1: changed.
3: Yeah. And, you know, all of my books are, are, um, gender and queer inclusive um i identify as pansexual myself and polyamorous um and so i like to bring a lot of that to my writing and so i hope folks enjoy them be nice if you write
0: reviews
1: (laughs) (laughs) sunny thank you so much for being here we're going to close out the show but man it was really great to hang out with you and we'll see you on the next time
3: great this was really fun thank you
1: My dear friends, the end of show 334 with Path Girl and Sunny. Thank you so much, Path Girl, for being here with us. I know that you were kind of rushing today because you have a date tonight. Uh,
2: Yeah, I actually have a first date with somebody who I found on a dating app who didn't advertise that they were kinky but then in like one of his first messages he's like oh yeah by the way um 20 years experience as a daddy dom i was like
1: oh so some uh maybe a stuffy and some bro finger tonight on a (laughs) date or are you just gonna probably go have coffee
2: we're we're going to have dinner and we're going to go talk about stuff, but we've been talking for the last four or five days and it's it actually he went to FrolicCon this past weekend. Oh really? Oh yeah. So and I and I, I, I told him a couple of my friends were down there and I was like, Hey, go walk up to this person and tell him Path Girl said hi and look at the look of bewilderment on their face going, Who the hell are you? <laughs>
1: All right. Well, that's good. That's that's got some potential. We'll we'll
2: see. Fingers crossed. We'll see.
1: Fingers crossed. You know, probably, hopefully not turn into a serial killer. God damn it. (laughs) We just got to limit that. I mean, I, I keep waiting for the aliens to pick me. I know everyone wants to be picked by the aliens to get the button, but I really think it should be me so I can wipe out all the people that I consider bad, which is lots of them. And then leave the good people so they can give you Brofinger and a stubby.
2: Aw, that would be an awesome experience
1: And Do you like cookies? You can't eat cookies right now
2: No, well, no, see, anytime I play There's always an aftercare cookie And I yell at my top if he doesn't get me an aftercare cookie
1: (laughs) Well, god damn, you better get to (laughs) your fucking cookie Did you get a cookie after your vampire scene? I hope so
2: Uh, No, I did one better I went to this local donut shop They have the most awesome donuts So I had an aftercare donut And it was was just pure ecstasy on top of vampire clothes Oh, it was amazing
1: Well played, (laughs) Path Girl, well played if you like what you heard and you'd uh, like to support us, you can go to slash perverted podcast. Give us five bucks if you give a fuck. Thank you to all of the people that support the show. Headley, oh my God, Headley. Headley! I cannot, <laughs> Headley! I cannot say how much you guys inspire me to keep going. And I love it. I love doing this show. I am not tired. After six years, I'm literally thinking of the next show every week it's 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 one of the only things i've never gotten bored of i've gotten bored in almost every relationship (laughs) i've ever been to a certain extent um and uh but i am not sick of this show and i keep going oh my god uh, if i can just get a few more things together we can make it better and get the love lab back and and leaf blower versus vagina and anal hook pull and you know just there's so much i would love to do pussy cookies oh my gosh but even still, just having great conversations, just being here to have these types of conversations with you and, and with the people who are good enough to come on and give their time and their experiences so that all the people in Perverted Podcast Land can benefit of it. It's really just a special thing. And uh, look forward to hearing you guys or seeing you guys or whatever the hell we call it next week on show 335.
0: Woo! <laughs> <laughs> This diner I'm sitting in ain't no fine French restaurant These eggs taste like they've been run over by a truck I stare out the window, that could use a good cleanin' My mind is a blur, like a carnival of lies. Everybody's got a weakness and mine is just running From a job or a true love that just might chain me down And a voice that's inside swears the answer is coming But it always waits hiding in the next little town Oh, oh, oh it's crazy to fight Here I go again, chasing the night It seemed like an eternity it was only a moment when I tasted this kiss from a goddess of the sky, and I chased her lush garden straight down to the fire where it burned, and I screamed and I lost with all my might. My feet, my head was on sideways, and I could not distinguish which way was up or down. I was no longer human, just a soulless dead robot whose circuits would be rewired in the next little town. Oh, oh, oh. It's crazy if I here I go again. Chasing when I was a boy and things would go badly, I'd climb on the roof just to stare at the stars at night, and I knew if I ran five million miles a second, I could live with Chewbacca and everything would be all right. treasures of a lifetime lay buried in a true heart but I've been distracted still looking for a map or a sign from the heavens and a bright neon sign that says boy stop your running though I haven't found it yet his mind are not easily parted I paddle on dry land cause I'm scared that I will drown so I pay for my eggs and I pull up my stakes and away I go driving to the next little town Oh, oh it's crazy to fight here I go again chasing the night chasing the night, I'm chasing the night, I'm chasing the night.